0: That's a fantastic shot you picked. I mean, that's such a beautiful shot, dude.
1: I think so too.
0: I mean, I, I, like I know that. the the DVD cover is the other one with her neck down, but this one's fantastic. And that slash—it's like it makes no sense. But who cares? I think that's the theme of of this movie for me. It's like that doesn't make sense. I don't
1: care. But who you know? who cares? Exactly. <laughs> it's like, uh, Let's start with that.
0: The best. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up
1: they're coming to get you barbara i ate his liver with some father beans and a nice giante
0: here's johnny vanity definitely my favorite
1: city <laughs> i am the devil and i am here to do the devil's work the power of christ come you this is my boomstick <laughs> what's your favorite scary movie good evening and welcome to shiver a horror movie podcast i am your host david and as you can tell daniel is not here today but with us is a friend of the show a long time friend of the show uh previous guest host um and uh filmmaker extraordinaire we've got ralph diaz wagner welcome ralph
0: thank you it's good to be back uh
1: it's good to have you back uh, and, and it's good to have someone who's actually a fan of, uh, not just Dario Argento, but Giallo's, uh, but I know Argento is a guy who resonates with you. Uh, so as we, uh, as we begin talking about the movie that we're talking about today, which is Tenebrae, uh, in our background section, which we're going to call Ciao Giallo. It's going to be a lot of me doing really bad Italian accents. So, um, uh, prepare yourselves for it now. Um. So in a section we're calling Ciao Giallo, um, we're talking about Tenebrae, right? So this movie comes out in 1982. Uh, this is as like the Giallo movie is on the decline, but the slasher is on the rise. Um, how do you feel about this movie? Not just as uh, as a horror movie or as a movie in general, but as an Argento movie, Ralph?
0: Well, this happens to be my favorite Argento movie. And my favorite, Giallo. Uh, I like mm-hmm. the fact that Giallos are so stylized. I think mm-hmm. that's something we're going to get into a lot tonight is we said, that doesn't make sense, and I don't care. And it, But it <laughs> damn it looks good. And I yeah. think that's what I like about it, where some of the American slashers, to me, are very um, clunky or ugly or just, you know, it's, too, it's a lot of gore, but there's not, visually, there's nothing there. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm... Um, I, I really like this film. I, I, I think the pacing is fantastic. I mean, when we, yeah. saw, when we saw it la- uh, the other day, it was just flying. It was fl- yeah. no
1: fat on it. And it's, there's a lot of things that are explained, but speed. no
0: fat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really like it.
1: I, um, you know, I it, you... You started to get at something that, for me, is the thing that really kind of, and and I'm a slasher guy. I love slashers. It's probably my favorite subgenre of horror, uh, because you can just turn your brain off and enjoy. Um, and and one of the things that we we talked about here, um, or not not here, but you and I at work, <laughs> before uh, before choosing this one is that it's uh, it's bloody and it's sexy. Right, yes, and and I mean that's something that has been a staple in the in in the horror and the slasher genre forever is gratuitous violence and gratuitous nudity, and uh, the Italians do it better than just about anyone.
0: I, I think so. I, I think yes. that, I mean, to put it crudely, <laughs> uh, boobs and blood. Boobs and I blood.
1: Think? Yeah, I, this is a section that we do in um, uh, anytime we do a slasher, and as this is a giallo movie, I kind of I, I didn't include it here. Um, but, uh, boobs and blood is what is, is what makes the slasher makes or breaks the slasher. Uh, is there gratuitous violence? Fantastic. Did you get the gratuitous nudity too? Because if you did, now you've got yourself a, a grade a slasher. But one of the things that I think American slashers, um, get wrong all the time is that they get bogged down in story. And they, for whatever reason, they can't nail the story. And what story is, there is oftentimes not interesting. So in between the kills, you're kind of just waiting for that next kill. And it's like, all right, come on, show me the next thing. When's someone going to die again? When's someone going to have sex again? Right. And that doesn't happen here because as unimportant as the story ultimately is here. Um, and I mean, like, unimportant as far as it making sense or it mattering because when you start to think about it too much, it's like, okay, does this make sense? Does this other thing make sense? But it's kind of like an Agatha Christie story where it's like, don't think about it too much. Um, You know, it's uh, did it excite you? Yes. Uh, And, and did it keep you interested in what was going on from scene to scene? Yeah. And I think that that's something this movie does really well is it moves at such an incredible pace that it doesn't allow you to stop and think about the, the, the complete unrealism, of this story but i don't feel like giallos need to be realistic i feel like they exist in this weird fever dream where it's like does this make sense no but neither do your nightmares and that's what a lot of these giallos feel like um and i i think europeans get that right because french horror movies are very similar british horror movies like the hammer stuff um you know it, it's very similar it, it feels very nightmarish I, 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 don't, I, I don't know how
0: i agree and I, and I think it's for some reason we as americans i think pick and choose our suspension of disbelief right guy with a cape flies no problem laser out <laughs> of his eyes no problem he, he's bulletproof yeah no problem but then they you see a giallo movie and they're like oh well that can't happen well that makes no sense oh <laughs> well, what, what do you mean you know yeah well, even like mission impossible little tom cruise is going to hold on to the side of that plane as it takes off sure <laughs> but you know but there are certain movies where I think you just have to do that. And I think the Europeans are better at that. I think mm-hmm. unfortunately in American cinema, we've gotten to the point where, and it especially affects science fiction. Is it realistic? How can we explain it? And and I think that it, that in other countries, even South America, you don't have to explain it. You know, how are we time traveling? It's a box. How does that yeah. work? Hey, you open the box. It oh, does. That's yeah. all you need. It's like, Hey, you open the box and then boom, you right. know? So <laughs>
1: Well, we're, popular, yeah. we're 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 starting to get into uh, the the second category, which uh, we're calling thriller fiction, uh, which is story, right? Uh, so this story, just like every other giallo, is like stuffed with lots of twists and turns. But when you kind of boil it down, it's very simple. Yes, American American writer goes to promote his book in uh in Italy, in Rome, in Rome and um, murders inspired by his his writing take place. That's very simple when you break it down that way, and that's really what this movie is is about. So, um, what what does oh, the story yeah. do for you? Like, uh, does do the story work. work for you? Yeah.
0: It's very realistic. It gives us, you know, why is this American in Rome? Well, there it is. Mm-hmm. Why is there another American in Rome, his agent? Well, he's promoting the book, you know, and then mm-hmm. we sprinkle it with Italians. I think I think it works. It's enough story to get us going and get us, push us into like more than midway. Mm-hmm. I think that's more than enough. And then you're, you know, the whole, are you trying to figure it out? I personally never try to figure out any movies, whether it's thrillers or mm-hmm. any, I sit back and I just want to enjoy it. I want to take it in. I don't try to figure it out or where am I ta- Where are they taking me? I don't want to take the bait. I just sit back. I'm, I'm a voyeur, mm-hmm. which is another aspect I think of Giallo's that maybe that's why I like it because it's kind of like you, you're always a voyeur. And especially mm-hmm. with Argento, that he his hands are always the killer. Like he always said right. that he has to play the killer because only he knows what's inside the killer's mind, mm-hmm. which is like, I, I mean, he definitely, if he wasn't a filmmaker, I could see how he could possibly be a, a serial killer. Yeah. He, he,
1: and he's, and he's a he's a creepy pipe. looking dude yeah. too.
0: Yes, very.
1: Yeah. Very. Um. Uh. Some of these filmmakers, they look like very normal. You know. Uh. Like have you ever seen uh, Toby Hooper? He looks like a normal dude. Yeah. <laughs> Wes Craven looks looks like your uncle. You know. Yeah. Uh, I like yeah, <laughs> but... Uh, Mario Baba Mario looks very normal. He's a very he's normal... Yeah. L- Lucio Fulci, too, is another guy. Is like, he just looks like a dude, but yeah. Argento looks like a guy you don't want to fuck with.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, that, that, like that guy looks... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I'm kind of with you. I think that there's just enough story, just enough background for the story to work. And, and one, one of the things that I guess you can nitpick um is like why is this american you know because there was always you know the the one american or the one british actor that was used to sell the movie abroad mm-hmm. internationally right outside meaning outside of italy um you know he 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 did this in deep red with um uh with david hemmings uh he did it in suspiria with uh shit i can't remember her name now uh but the 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 american actress who you know was the star of the movie mm-hmm. um There is always that one Um, Jennifer Connelly in um, uh, shit phenomena, you know, so um, it makes sense why it happens here in the same way that it makes sense in Suspiria. I think he does a really good job of shoehorning in just enough logic so that you're not like, you know, why is Arnold Schwarzenegger? (laughs) Uh, Hercules and why is he in New York? And like, it doesn't make any sense, yeah. you know, but it's like, there, there's enough here. There's just enough for me to say, all right, I'll bite. And then you, and and then as the story plays out, it kind of does make sense really. Um, this was one that I hadn't seen in a while. And I remember talking with you about it because we, we bring up Giallo's, I don't know, once every like three months or so. Uh, and it's usually Argento and Bava that come up. um, But uh, this is one where I remember agreeing with you because it had been so long. I'm like, yeah, the story doesn't really make an awful lot of sense. And I think after watching it the second time, I think it makes more sense to me. It's
0: I think the bulk of it up to midway, really, I would say two thirds of the movie makes sense. It's the ending where and it's the very, very end. That kind of mm-hmm. goes out the rails. So it's the, I think that's why, like I said, it's my favorite Argento movie. And I admit the ending makes no sense. But I still love it. I don't care. I don't well, care. I, I, I think I, so much of it still works. I think like I yeah. said, older or more. I
1: think I think it works enough because we're given that uh that background of um whether it was a boarding school or whatever it was, where um you know there's there's this like weird sexual history with this girl and then she dies. Uh, whether by his hands or someone else's hands, you know, and and he's haunted by this. And it kind of when you start thinking of, like, the bigger picture here, when um, Bertie, I think, is the the talk show host, is talking about, like, yeah. uh, human perversion and how that has informed uh, the writing of Tenebrae. I'm like, OK, well, this, this kind of makes sense. He's got this trauma in, in his past and he's used it to write these books and these killings have kind of like awoken something in him you know whatever that trauma was that he suppressed has bubbled up to the surface now and he's thinking about these things now to me that made sense and i also i also really do feel like they do a really good job of hiding who this killer is yes um because i there's times where you think it might be him you know and then when you find out that it is that 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 tv uh talk show guy it's like oh okay well yeah that kind of makes sense too but then when the killings continue afterwards it's like oh shit at what point did the killings become yeah. him and and that that's where i think some of it starts to lose a little bit of steam but it's also i think where it becomes most interesting because if you do stop and think about it sure you can start to be like okay which is wh- who's the killer and what's scene yeah. here <laughs> but then also it's like okay but that's really interesting and that's uh, not even the point of the movie because exactly. the point of the movie is to excite you. And I think that the movie gives us lots of situations and lots of scenarios where when we, you know, uh, you get to really gruesome kills, Gu- yeah. gruesome. And, you know, we were talking about this. There, There's really not a lot of death effects, not a lot of kill effects. It, it's a lot of gore in the aftermath. But mm. when you do get the gore, um, I don't know if you finished watching after after you and I watched together. But the scene where um, his his ex Jane gets her hand chopped off with the axe, yeah, wow! I had totally forgotten how beautiful he paints that wall with blood.
0: Yes, the spraying. Well, e- even when the when they slash the throats, that yeah. spray of blood, or this shot that's behind us, the <laughs> yeah, the shirt opens and then the squirt in her face and on the wall. I mean, I think, and it's just blood, but it yeah. works. You don't need to go over the top special effects or is it realistic or I, mm-hmm. I think I think that works. It's just blood is very, you know, it works. We know it's a, what blood is. It's
1: a powerful image and it's one yeah. that moves people. I mean, it's it's one of the only things that I think can make people vomit. And, and, and there's a lot of people uh, that I know personally who the sight of blood makes them vomit. And um, like there's very few things like, you know, poop, maybe other vomit, yeah. you know? Yeah. uh, But like that blood is one of those things. Like it, it's a visceral reaction that you have to it. And so you don't need that Tom Savini level special effect yeah. uh, yeah. because, because then, then I think it might actually push this movie into like a realistic realm where here it kind of exists in this like nightmare yeah. uh, situation where everything is kind of hazy. Everything's kind of foggy. um, But when you start seeing those really realistic effects, one that I always go back to is the prowler. Um, uh, Joseph Zito I think it's 1984 and um, actually no it's it, it's 82 just like this one and and the the thing is that the effects are so real that you're like that fucker died yeah I, don't, I, I mean I don't I, I don't know what what he signed off who got the insurance money but that motherfucker died Ah, uh, because that's how good Tom Savini is at this stuff. Yeah. You don't you don't get that here, right? You don't get like a Carlo Rambaldi level uh, special effect, but you are getting effectiveness, and I I really like that because it really does help tell the story for me. Is is there is there a favorite kill that you have?
0: Oh wow, that's I don't know. I, it, it's hard to boil it down to a favorite kill, although I mean this one, like I said, and it happens quickly. But when they kill this girl. Mm -hmm. And it's just throat, bam. I love it even more so than the other one. Oh, the other one's great because we include the boob category. Right. And not only does (laughs) she get her throat slashed, her head smashes into the window coming at us. yeah, Window coming at us. So those two, I think, are the boom, boom, like, Mm -hmm. really classic. And I think they're very giallo for me, like, those kills. Yeah. I also like when uh, John Saxon gets stabbed.
1: Yeah, because it comes out of nowhere.
0: Yes, and his face is like, what, uh. You know, like he really Mm -hmm. surprised. And I think that the knife, the fact that to me, the knife does not look realistic. I like it even more. Right. I I like it even more. I don't know. For some things, eh, I'm a sucker for some some movies. I'm very like forgiving. And this Mm -hmm. is one of those where they can do no wrong. It's like your favorite kid. I mean, I only have one and I'm (laughs) a little child, but I know that that people have multiple. There has to be a favorite. You know, so it's like this Argento can do no wrong. And then there's other directors that I've just... Man, I'm nitpicky in the in the opening credits. Mm. This son of a bitch. You know, like (laughs) like, I'm very overcritical of Steven Spielberg. Even though Mm. I say, you know, he's overrated. People think I mean he's not talented and he's not. He's one of the top 10 American directors of all time. I just think he's overrated. And then I criticize him because he does the cardinal sin for me, which is I'm trying to get into this world. Don't tell me it's a movie. Mm. You know, where the old masters like Hitchcock would do all these techniques, but he would never bring you out of it. Spielberg does the opposite. You're getting into it. It's the moment of climax, and he always does a little something that just can't happen in the real world. Mm. You know, whether it's the feather in, in Forrest Gump, or the, the the my pet peeve is that that dollar bill in uh, Catch Me If You Can. I know we're going yeah. that, That's one of those things where I, for him, I'm just very unforgiving. But then here, the ending totally doesn't make any sense. I don't care. <laughs> I love it.
1: First yeah. Well, and I, I feel like that's that's because you have a response to his style, yeah. And um, and, and I think that that that's something that makes sense to me. Uh, because it, I I feel like uh, to to keep going on tangents, uh, Stanley Kubrick is that way, right? I I feel like Kubrick uh is a master, and and I don't think anyone's gonna argue that, but I think that he's artistic, almost to a fault. And he's one of my favorite directors of all time, but there's things that he does where it's like, okay, but if you were to worry less about being an artist and worry more about telling the story, maybe there might be a better way of doing this. And I can't think of one because I'm not a director and, you know, but I, I, I think like he sometimes, and, and it's usually what I'm watching behind the scenes stuff where I'm like, this guy's fucking nuts. <laughs> and, 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 and knowing like what, what, what the working conditions were like with him makes it sometimes uncomfortable to watch his movies, particularly when I know that there's a scene where he like abused someone to get the result that he wanted because he's an artist and he's got a vision and, and, and all that. You know, so so I think that he's one of those guys where like you kind of walk that line. But Argento's not like that for me. I am so forgiving when it comes to Argento because it's like, man, he does everything I want him to do. Um, and 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 for me I think I, I I'm torn because I really like this kill uh the one you're talking about the one for those of you not watching live you know we we've got you know the classic image of the t-shirt being ripped by uh by uh by the straight razor and then um her face uh, the the student's face uh the journalist pops up right behind it with the huge eyes there yeah she's so Italian those eyes yeah yeah very, very gorgeous too um and um it, it would be between that one and the very first kill that we see where he's like so aggressively shoving the pages from the book into her her mouth yes man i had forgotten how absolutely aggressive that scene He pointed is. that out
0: that it's like hey man he's not holding back and it's our gentle yeah. hands and he's really right. shoving you could see her reaction like in her eyes like she's He's
1: really putting up. Yeah, in. she's she's gagging on it. Yeah. You know, Um, and for, for me, I was like, wow, like that. That was. uh And of course, you know, in, in Europe, it's the 80s. You know, they, they don't have the 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 regulations that we have here in the States, because I'm pretty oh, sure no. that shit wouldn't have flied here, even in the oh, 80s. No. Um, But, you know, he's like, hey, I'm going to shove paper down your throat and it's going to be only a little bit sexy, but a lot bit violent. And she was like, uh, you know, sure, you know, uh, see. <laughs> yeah, now you can't, yeah. Get, you
0: can't get away with that here now. even no. when it comes, even nudity. Yeah. Again, I mean, actresses that ha- that are just gotten into the business and have no nudity clause, or uh, Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. The first season of Game of Thrones was all about the nudity, yeah. and already towards like I think it was season two or three, uh, the character who played uh, Emily Clark, I think, Kalisi. Yeah. What mm-hmm. had a clause where it's like, no, I don't, I'm not going to do nudity, and the, and it's like, and uh, you, know.
1: you know, I, I, I don't care if it sounds, um, you know, barbaric or anything like that, but that's that's half the reason why people were watching the show was the nudity, men and women, because you 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 were seeing dicks flying all over the place, yep. and, and you were seeing boobies flying all over the place, and yeah. it it was exciting because for for the first time, I think in a long time there was something on TV that felt adult
0: and it felt visceral. Well, well, because unfortunately you go to the movies and the movies have become PG. I mean, I challenge you to start thinking off the top of your head, 10 movies where there's a sex scene or nudity in the movies, as opposed to on TV, there's more nudity and more sex on TV Mm -hmm. than in the movies. Yeah. HBO. I mean, uh, White Lotus has -hmm. more sex. But You see a movie now and – and there's no sex in it where in the 80s I mean it's it's almost comical I mean there, there's always a sex no
1: it's uh, yeah and, and and it is gratuitous um oh, okay. and um personally I I don't necessarily like gratuitous nudity nudity um I I, I I like it to be tasteful but when I'm watching a movie like this it doesn't bother me I feel like if I were watching a movie today and it was gratuitous. I might be like, nah, I don't know, you know, but I guess because of the nostalgia of these movies, uh, for me, it almost feels like, damn, there wasn't not even one booby here. What's and I think <laughs> what's-, what's going on here? I mean, even in this movie, like where
0: she doesn't have to be naked and mm-hmm. it's gratuitous two roommates, whether they're male or female, I guess female is more a yeah. or whatever. You're not going to be dressed. One of my biggest pet peeves, and American it is suggested
1: culture, that they're occasional lovers well,
0: too. Yes, yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. yeah. It, one of my pet peeves is after a sex scene when the actress has to cover herself with sheets. Maybe it's a Miami thing, but I'm walking into the fridge, naked. you know, out of yeah. yeah, so mm-hmm. I mean, you're already naked. I don't understand that. I I, I don't like that re- that unrealisticness in it. Yeah, I like it for m- myself in, in any in movies. I I do. Uh, I always like a casual nudity but then when it's a sex scene you don't need nudity at all yeah the sound sells it more and I, mm-hmm. and I've told you know I tell people watch porn and then put it on mute mm-hmm. and you'd be surprised how much the sound plays into it yeah or or don't look at it but listen to it mm-hmm. and i can guarantee you the sound's going to get you more than the visuals and what i like here is that it's just it's just and europeans do it someone happens to be walking around naked okay no problem there's yeah. not you know where americans i don't know it's almost it really is gratuitous like the mm-hmm. way they pose and stuff like that it's just yeah where this one, the, the, the girl in the towel we were laughing and she's still not dry but i mean and there's one boob out but it's it looks realistic and
1: you know? and the other the other thing is I at least this is the impression i got from there because when we first meet that character uh the roommate. It seems like she's trying to make her jealous.
0: Yes. With the fact that she's
1: she's flirting with someone else and yeah. that she brings she she brings this guy back to, to her house, right? Um and then she appears naked and like purposely lets her boob fall out. You know, like she's, yeah, you don't
0: have to rub it in my face. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, she she is trying to get a rise out of this girl here. So yeah. like I I I don't really I take it back. I don't know that it's gratuitous at all.
0: Yeah, and, and I don't think I and I think for younger audiences watching this now, I don't think they realize how much of a big deal in eighty two that these women it's even suggested that they're mm-hmm. buy at the most. I mean, because I think they right. both have but even that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like now it's kinda like, Oh yeah, you know, casual, whatever, but but that was a big deal in eighty two. It's like, whoa, especially yeah. the American audience, I think they must have been like, What's going on here?
1: Yeah, you know, three's yeah. company is about the most that, that you had at that point. Yeah, right now. <laughs> <laughs> um so you know we talked a little bit about story we're getting into character pieces so in a section we're going to call slashers and slashies is there anyone or two or three or however many you want to talk about characters in here that do stick out whether it's for good reasons or bad reasons as someone that's like man that's a memorable character
0: i love the agent I, I, and it has to be with John Saxon, he's where he's man. trying to be more sleazy than he really is. He comes yeah. across like he's doing his job and he's a nice guy. He doesn't, you know, as opposed to like Jeremy Piven mm-hmm. in Entourage, he's yeah. like, but mm-hmm. then, oh, that's a nice freeze. I'm like, hey, see, look, it's an Italian. Oh, there, I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> I was frozen in an Italian pose. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> Uh, what I was saying is, uh, yeah, that like he comes up trying to say like he's sleazy or whatever, and he doesn't come mm-hmm. across like that. I think he's fighting for him the whole time. He's very, yeah. even when the reporter is is like attacking the the author. Nowadays, they would just get him out of the room. Mm-hmm. But he's Why don't you do a one on one and stuff like that. I mean, I just like his character. He's always selling, you know, always selling. Yeah. And that great line the cop tells him, "Uh, the ten percent line." When there's bodies, do you, how do you deal with that 10% or something like that? Yeah. The character that stands out to me is the Italian cop. He is so Italian. And so, like. That's what I was going to say. He's
1: so Italian.
0: And at the same time, I think he's really trying to be that gumshoe type Mm -hmm. from American movies. Yeah. You know, and it's so funny. It just doesn't, you know, he is a, a character. I think those are the two that really stand out to me.
1: Um. So I'm going to talk about some different ones here. Um, Daria Nicolotti as Anne, his um, she his assistant. I would, but she's kind of like she's very touchy feely. She's, so she's, she's very touchy feely. And, and then like there's there's a there's a line there where they've been working together for six years. It mm-hmm. didn't work out with his ex because I think she suspected that there was something between them. Yeah. Um and this is the other thing I love about Argento is it's a lot of suggestion. Mm-hmm. He doesn't he doesn't just say anything. It's like eh, you make of it what you make of it. And yep. if you make nothing of it, then you know just it, it, enjoy the boob and the blood, and you're fine, yep. right? Um, but she's one who I mean, and obviously you know, they were uh, they were together for many many years. Um, but she's one that pops up in just about every single one of his movies, and. She always plays a very, very different character. And, you know, she she's she's very Italian and um, there's there's an attractiveness to her. Like, I wouldn't call her beautiful, Mm -hmm. but there's something about her almost in like a like a Jamie Lee Curtis way, you know, where it's like, you know, I I I wouldn't describe you as beautiful. If someone asked me to 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 show them a picture of a beautiful woman, that would not be the person that I put up there. But there is something alluring about her, and and so like I get it when there's this sexual tension between them. I'm like, yeah, you know, th- there might be sexual tension. I would hope between her and me too, you know. Um, and 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 she plays that. Ki- and, and the thing is, I couldn't remember if she was the killer. And when I was watching the movie. I was like, is it her? Hang on a second. Was she involved? And I, I couldn't remember. And so I, I like that I liked that I couldn't remember because the way that she played the role, it was almost a little suggestive of her and maybe even Gianni being involved in, in, in what was going on. So I, I I really like her. Anytime I see her, I'm like, oh man, you know it's 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 always nice to see Daria Nicolotti. Um, And the uh, the other person that I'm going to talk about is um, Anthony Franciosa as Peter Neal. Um, I know yeah. it's really easy to talk about the star, but mm-hmm. man, he does a really good job because uh, one of the things that you and I pointed out when we were watching is just like the spaghetti westerns of the of the 60s and the 70s, every actor recorded their lines in their native language, which in this case would be Italian. Um, I don't know how fluent um, Franciosa is in Italian, but he acted off of these guys really, really well.
0: Yeah, I think I think Nickelode is the only one who's actually speaking English. Yeah, I think the other ones are speaking Italian or sometimes they say a word or two but
1: Yeah, and, and and to to me it was like I I bought him as this intellectual author who really would be in Rome promoting his book. Everything from, you know, and and you know, he's he's got that like clean cut look to him. So it's easy to sell it, I think. But also the way he carries himself, you know, he's in Corduroy you know, the, the, the corduroy support yeah, coat. He's uh, the corduroy a little, he's a little
0: pompous, but in a, in a realistic way for a writer back then. Writers were kings in 82. Yeah. I mean, th- think of Stephen King in 82. Mm-hmm. Of, yeah, imagine these... that, which is – I think that he's supposed to be someone like that, that he's an American author who's an international star. So he would be like that kind of celebrity.
1: Yeah. and exist anymore, really. And, and, no, it, it really doesn't. These authors, uh, all they're doing uh, these days – and I hate to sound like that guy – But really what they're doing is they're they're trying not even to write a good novel, but to create a good series so that they can sell it for a movie series. Yeah. And I think back in the 80s, uh, probably through the 90s, that was the last time that authors really were looking to write good fiction where it wasn't like this is the next installment of this series. It was here is a great novel. Read it, enjoy it, and I'm gonna start work on, on on another one that's not related to this at all in a couple of months, and that'll be out next year. and And he does a really uh, like he uh, like you said he feels pompous a little, just a little bit, just yeah. enough because like he can hang with with uh, w- with the TV show host who's talking about you know all all of these um, you know psychological concepts, and he's like you know well you know actually let let's let's dive into this because it's it's a little deeper than that. He's he he plays him as smart, but he also comes off as like just a little sleazy, you know, like like he is the kind of guy that would jump on a plane and go over to this. And he knows the he knows the bar to go to where he can sit in a dark corner and he can pick up a hooker and take her back to his hotel room. And no one would be the wiser, you know, like that's that's the kind of guy that he played. And I think that he played it really well. And when you see him with the axe at the end of the movie, it is surprising it's very surprising because i don't think you get tortured murderer from him there's of mm. course that that suggestion in the back of your mind where it's like okay you know it might be him but once you see that the talk show host is the killer you're like well that's it we found the killer so it's it's, it's not just a great twist in the story but i think it's also a great twist with the character too and and he 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 plays it really well I think, I, I,
0: yeah, you you have to bring a, a certain level of and I, this isn't the right word, cheese, but melodrama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't yeah. do it Straight drama. You have to give it a little kind of and he does that. He does, you know, and sometimes B-movie actors are better. I mean, mm-hmm. give me Eric Roberts all day long.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, some
0: of these other thespians yeah, yeah. are like, oh, you know, just whatever you, you need. Certain roles need a, a certain a little bit of cheese on it. You know, mm-hmm. a, a little, you got to smell the, the roll. I think that's, a, that's. Um, you're more of a horror guy than I am, but I think that's my problem when American movies, the budgets get too big. Mm-hmm. They're too clean. They're too polished. Yeah. Everything is too polished. I need horror to be kind of, it's got to be low budget. It's got to have a certain level of cheese. And I don't know how to say that without it seems like cheese being negative. Here it's a positive. But yeah. you got to, it has to be a little clunky, a little, a little, a little, a little campy. Fat. Yeah. yeah, like some movies are just too clean. American movies are just I can't buy into it. Yeah, you know, or even like a TV series, like anything on on the WB, it's like it looks like an Abercrombie commercial. What yeah. town is it? everyone's good looking? Mm-hmm. You know, it, where you see a British, uh, any British drama, and it's fantastic because even the the lead has crooked teeth <laughs> or one guy's bald. It's, they look yeah. like real people. They look like
1: yeah, they look like people. Yeah, and and, and I think I think that that's something that because the the Europeans are such artists and and they look at film uh, I mean obviously they need to make money because the movie needs to finance the next movie Ooh. but I think that generally and you as a filmmaker can comment on this a lot of the Europeans and you know uh, as much the the Italians as the French and, and and the British like they just want to make a movie and so if the movie makes just enough for them to get financing for the next movie, they're fine, you yep. know. Uh, and 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 I don't want to say that you know they're they look forward to being the starving artist because you know certainly Argento was not a starving artist, mm. but securing distribution and financing and stuff like that, these are things that he had issues with occasionally where like someone like spielberg who i guess would be like the american version of him or i guess wes craven would be yeah, like the american cool. version of him um it's like he never had issues with with funding you know it, 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 ever since like last house on the left it's like yeah sure you can do whatever you want
0: i don't remember if it's wes craven or carpenter that said uh here I'm a horror director, but in Europe, I'm an auteur. <laughs>
1: so, yeah, that,
0: that was Carpenter. That was Carpenter. Yeah, and, and then uh, back to, to Argento, like this movie, if you see the shots and the setups, and sometimes uh, when I teach, I tell the students, watch it again, but watch it in mute. Because mm-hmm. then you're not distracted by the story. You're just looking at shots. Fantastic low angle shots. The framing is great. There's great tracking shots here. That's mm-hmm. not a steadicam. They laid track Ever there's yeah. Movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, a fantastic tracking shot more than once. I mean, there's, there's great shots in this thing.
1: Well, and, and this is getting to the, the, the final section before we go into actually rating the movie. And, and I'm glad that we didn't spend too long on any one category. Cause I feel like this is where you and I are really going to go all out. Uh, so in a section that we're calling un film, the Dario Argento. Um, fuck man. I mean, this guy's a master, right? You're talking about the shots here um, is the, is there I, don't, I, I can't just choose one talk about the fucking guy, because mm-hmm. like the, some of the stuff that he does in this movie is truly amazing. It, well, he,
0: I, he started off, if I'm not mistaken, with Mario Baba. He worked mm-hmm. for Baba and then he went on his own. And then a, a, in a twist of fate. Now, the last movie he's in, he's acting. He acted mm-hmm. in Gaspar Noe's uh, latest film.
1: Oh, I didn't know that's
0: about that. Yes. I'm dying to see it. I can't, I don't know where it's been distributed, but I'm, I'm dying to see that. But you see, like you said, an artist and a master technician. And again, when I tell my students, Oh, when someone tells me I want to be a director of photography, I'm like, you got to go to Europe. I, I don't know why, but Europeans just when it comes to framing and, and shooting the actual film, it's so much better. It's so much better where again, American movies not that they're shot poorly you want to see poorly shot movies i mean there's there's some asian movies out there that are like we or like a turkish film is like yikes but you know <laughs> uh, they're just it's too clean it's too flat it's too much coverage where like i said here there's a conversation between the cop and and uh and the and peter neal peter neal right the the author yeah and it's just these low angles but it's not like a low angle like you know horror but it's just a little bit of skew mm-hmm. and over here and it's just the framing is just beautiful. And everything that's in the frame is there for a reason, which is, again, when you teach to the kids, you try to tell them that because that's the the telltale sign of an amateur. It's just, why am I here? Why are there two guys talking in front of a white wall? Mm-hmm. You know, but in European movies and in this movie, everything is just it's beautifully framed, man. Even like when even in a, in a crazy scene, like when the Doberman chases that girl. Yeah, it's fantastic. Again, it's, it's a great tracking shot. And then we were even joking oh, what Doberman does that. But they frame it in a way where the Doberman really jumps over the fence. Yeah. He must have trained him to do that because he it's no trick. He does it. Mm-hmm. And then we're back into because you shot it that way. It is believable because it's real. The Doberman mm-hmm. really jumped the fence. So oh, now why is he chasing her? I don't know. Maybe she had a biscuit in her shorts. I don't know why he, <laughs> why that dog is chasing her. But <laughs>
1: yeah, you know. uh, she, she was coming home from the butcher or something. Um,
0: or, or look, or when she slams that that gigantic sliding glass door, you get tell it's a 1970s heavy ass door, not like now that <laughs> you can do it with a pinky. Yeah. And she gets it right in the hand, and the, and the razor falls. I mean, it's great. I mm. love the POV stuff too, and that's that's all, yeah. that's very Argento.
1: Mm. Even
0: the, the the cutting of the grass, or or just the kills. I mean, every kill is him. You, I I love the POV of it. I mean, he's just, it's a signature move. You know, you're watching an Argento movie.
1: Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's one of those things where um, I don't think that, I mean, the the Giallos get credit for inspiring a lot of those slashers of, of the late seventies and the early eighties here in the States. But I feel like Argento himself doesn't get, enough credit in the mainstream i feel like if you're if you dive enough into horror and looking at the history of horror you're gonna land on it like okay bird with the crystal plumage is one of those that like every horror guy in the 70s watched and so john carpenter saw it bob clark saw it um uh you know all these guys saw these movies and they were like yeah let's let's do that shit but let's make it American." because because that's where we are right and and you don't really hear a lot of people talking about argento as the guy who like did the pov thing because he did oftentimes you hear you know john carpenter you don't even go back to the bob clarks of um of uh black christmas and and you know this is you know not tenebrae but you know bird with the crystal plumage is before
0: and just fantastic wide shots inverted with the crystal plumage. That one I remember. Mm-hmm. There's this again. The framing is fantastic, but then it's wides, and yeah. then there's one scene. There's a chase in a street that's fantastic too. Yeah. So it's not like he's a one trick pony where it's oh it's always POV. But mm-hmm. there's always a little bit of of everything there. I mean, it's
1: it's great. It, to me, one of the things that is, um, really typical of Argento and something that maybe he mastered here. Is uh, something I pointed out to you when we were watching together um, is how much camera movement there is. The camera is frantic. It's chaotic. It's almost never standing still. It's always in the middle of the action. So even if it's not one of those like crazy POV shots where Mm. it's the killer, you know, actually performing the kill, it's still puts you in the action in such a way, like it feels very voyeuristic, like you were saying, it makes you a voyeur. And to me, that's such an effective way of getting me into this thing so that it does feel like that. And maybe this is one of the things that the Americans get wrong. Maybe that's why it doesn't feel so nightmare because Mm -hmm. everything is so beautiful and so perfect and picturesque, but in a nightmare, I'm the one experiencing these things. So in, in something like uh, the scene in the garden, uh of birdie's house mm-hmm. where um uh, you know there's there's not really a lot happening but the camera's constantly tracking from here to there moving over here moving over there and you know this is one of those things that had it been on a steady cam it would have been so fluid and it wouldn't have felt human it would have friendly. felt like it would have felt like a camera going yeah. from here to there not like line of sight
0: and, and and it's a lot of camera movement yet it doesn't distract Right, Which, which something to, uh, that brings to mind is Fincher. That he's the master of that. And, and there's, a, there's a great video online where it says how Fincher kidnaps your eyes. And what he mm-hmm. does is when the person moves, the camera moves. And sometimes it's just like if I do that, a subtlety. The camera just tilts a little bit and mm-hmm. that's it. But definitely when, when they're moving, the camera's moving. And when the person stops, it stops. Mm-hmm. And then it starts again. And there's one shot in, in Zodiac. Where I see that, and the casual movie goer will be like, "Oh, that's a, that's that's cool," mm-hmm. but I just think, my God, how many takes did that take? Where Robert Downey walks in, jumps on a, on a chair that had in an office, like boom, like this that has wheels, and just rolls and stops. But it's kind of it's it's a tilt down pan, and it's like whoa to hit your mark. I mean, you're rolling, yeah. you know. He must have hit so many different. Takes, although he Fincher is famous for multiple takes, that's why he always uses digital blood because he just he's they're gonna do 20 something takes, right? So, where I think D'Argento here is more let's plan this right because we got two or three takes at most because we're gonna right. split in this wall with real blood, yeah. And then you know, Enzo, the PA, is gonna have to clean that and we have to wait for it to dry. So,
1: well, and that's that's the other thing is that, um, I mean, uh, the, the Italians, the Europeans in general, like they're all about unions. Oh, when, yeah. it, when it's time to break and we're, we're, we're having coffee now, you don't you don't fuck with the coffee time. So if we're in the middle of a fucking take, I stop operating the camera and I go back there and I'm having my coffee, and my cigarette and fuck you and fuck your mother. And, and lunch is an hour. And it's yeah. funny
0: how different countries have different things like that. And in, uh, for instance, in the Dominican Republic, uh, six day weeks is the norm. Mm-hmm. which here it's like five days and then a six All right, it counts as overtime over there oh no they're, they're cool with six but over there you got to give them three meals not two mm-hmm. we're here it's two meals because it's like you know you give them a breakfast six hours you give them a lunch six hours and then if it's third meal it's because it's overtime mm-hmm. and then the mckinnon republic is like no no we're getting we're getting our frijoles in the third meal <laughs> and, yeah we'll take long and we'll do six days but you're gonna give us frijoles that third time
1: that's, that's really interesting in
0: but here, it's, the, yeah, it's those are the little subtle differences. Well, Mexico, people think of Mexico as, oh, let's go to shoot in Mexico because it's cheaper. Their unions are so strong until recently. And by recently, I think it's less than a decade or mm-hmm. maybe 15 years at most. There were only, correct me if I'm wrong, 8 to 12 DPs in all of Mexico. Wow. That was it, and it was locked. And until somebody dies, you can't have a new DP. And it was the big, the big three: Cuarón, Ingratu, and um, yeah. and El Toro, who said, "No, no, this, this can't be. We mm-hmm. have to, you know." And I think what they did was they almost doubled it, so it's like twenty. And it's like, really, Mexico is a <laughs> big place, man. And they're yeah, and like, if imagine if you're a camera guy, what you got to wait for one of these old guys to die? You're almost doing off, like a voodoo dollar of a chivo. So he yeah. dies. So he can take it. <laughs> so yeah, in other countries, those, those unions are not, and France is famous for that. Where there's always, yeah. a, there's always some sort of strike.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Sometimes you're not even striking and, and you strike with them. Like the taxi drivers <laughs> are striking. And then the camera operators are, well, well you know, solidarity where we can't work either. Right. You know? So, I, I mean, think about it in this country, there's a, there's a rider strike. Mm-hmm. You even feel it. I mean, is it, even no. mean? and that's a big deal because they're, you know, Nothing can get shot. One of the one of my students was saying, "Oh, Stranger Things had to stop shooting." I'm like, "Yeah, dude, the writers on strike. You can't work. You know, it's a big deal. the 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 number of reality shows we have now was because of that writer strike. Because
1: of the 2000, what was it, 2006 or 2007 writer strike, something like that.
0: That they realized, Mm -hmm. hey, you know what? It's cheaper. Let's just do reality. Yeah, and it's funny because the writers will strike. Usually, they're the ones who have to strike. SAG is very rare. DGA, maybe. The one Mm -hmm. union that never strikes is um, IATSE. And I remember saying that the other day. Remember? I I don't know if Mm -hmm. you were there. Am I frozen? Can you hear me?
1: Uh, Your video's frozen, but I can hear you.
0: Okay. Uh, IATSE never strikes, and IATSE is everybody else. And that's Mm -hmm. the cameraman, the grips. And and for some reason, it doesn't even get close. Like, if there's a deadline... You you, you can't do anything
1: without them. Because at least without writers, you can still technically do reality so tv you
0: could, yeah you can do you can kind of play around with it or no we already had this before or whatever or even go to scab writers but mm-hmm. I had to see strikes and you're out of gas that's everybody right. i mean that's freaking the the costumers the the, the grip so whenever they say there's a there's a line in the sand it doesn't even come close to like two days to the deadline they'll settle and they'll give them whatever they want mm-hmm. but the writers unfortunately in in the world of film is uh, the the bottom of the barrel i mean yeah. jack warner famously said i wish we could keep them locked up and just feed them under the door and then tell them, all right, give me the script and I'll give you food, you know, like stuff like that. So we're in TV. And, and, movies, and, and these why... are the guys
1: that are literally putting this thing together. Without them, you've got nothing.
0: But in but in TV, the writer is gone because he's the mm-hmm. creator of the show and he's the one he's a showrunner mainly. So but I, I'm, I'm still a movie guy at heart. So,
1: yeah, and I, I think I always will be, too. And I, I, I love TV. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, like right right now uh, we're, we're watching Yellow Jackets, which is like kind of sort of horror. Oh, uh, yeah, there you are. There's your there's your well, the
0: Yellow Jackets point. is the thing where it's like a, a flashback and there's mm-hmm. like a plane crash and they might yeah. have eaten each other or something. Yeah,
1: right, right, right. Yeah. And, it, and it's very much uh, Lord of the Flies. But uh, really? but instead of it being an all boys uh, prep school, it's a girl's soccer team in the 90s. Can you imagine
0: that? Yeah.
1: Can you imagine the viciousness of teenage girls and their soccer players and that's- that, that that's what the show's about and it, it's fantastic and there is like a horror angle to it um so I, I i like stuff like that but i'm really i'm really a film guy i i like being able to invest like you know something like this like a Tenebrae, an hour and 40 minutes yep. done you know well that's
0: another thing that these movies you know, there, there was a time where the 90-minute movie was king, and there's something about that. It's almost like Edgar Allan Poe, that, that he preferred short stories because he wants mm-hmm. you reading it in one sitting. He doesn't want you to go away and come back. And and now, you know, for, I don't know why, all movies are so long. Yeah. I mean, the new
1: Flash is how long? Two hours and 40 minutes. I mean, it's a superhero movie. Come on. Yeah. I you know, thought he, I, 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 I thought his power was to be fast.
0: Yes. obviously. Can't you I mean, get to the is. end
1: of the movie a little faster?
0: Yeah, like editors are not, you know, we're, we're Scorsese. I, I've mm-hmm. been working with, with the Scorsese movies that I'm introducing, and they're a lot of them are long, mm-hmm. but there's no fat there. Schoenmacher, like, really trims it out. Mm-hmm. And I, I was talking to a friend of mine who's an editor that Wolf of Wall Street, it's two hours plus. It's a long one. Mm-hmm. And supposedly there's a courtroom scene that got cut that's really long. That's fantastic. But it's just like, where do you fit it in? Yeah. You know, well, that's
1: that's kind of how I felt about the Batman, you know, and the Batman's yeah. long, the Batman is three hours. But what do you cut from this movie? I, I haven't been able to see it again, I haven't attempted because I know it's three
0: and it's mm-hmm. I, and I loved it. I love yeah. that movie, but where would I cut? I think there's too much Catwoman. I, I mean, gun to my head, I have to cut 20 minutes of this movie. You got to trim a little bit of Catwoman, you got to trim a little bit of Penguin, you know, I, little mm-hmm. things like that. But yeah, there's so much, and it's the origin, so you have to, you know. Mm-hmm. No, I, I love that movie. I, I think that is the perfect marriage of realism with comic book. I think no, Christopher no. Nolan's a great filmmaker, and I'm, I'm a Batman fan. To me, those movies, as good as they are, are not Batman.
1: No, that's no. I'm never it's not, it. and it's not, it's not Gotham. It's Batman. Chicago.
0: Yeah, or Pittsburgh, or whatever it is. And then mm. the um, the original Batmans are very comic book. They're, you're definitely in Gotham, but they're not realistic. But it's like, I don't need realism in my, in my superhero movies. No. Although because of graphic novels, I understand what they're trying to do. And I think this is, I don't want to say the perfect marriage, looking after one movie, a, the good marriage of both. Because yeah. it's not New York. It mm-hmm. is Gotham. Yeah. Where even Joker, I thought it looked great, but it looked like 1980s New York. That wasn't Gotham either. Mm-hmm. I needed a little bit more gargoyles. Yeah. I needed a little bit more darkness you know and mm-hmm. again back to scorsese as great as the joker was the people were talking about it like it was this incredible it, it, it was taxi driver it's it was uh, it was king of comedy, king of comedy. it's yeah. it's those two movies which mm-hmm. is nothing wrong with that no. because how many people have seen that now mm-hmm. you know i mean let's talk about tarantino he borrows from a lot of movies the mm-hmm. thing is he always makes it better and he modernizes it and it's things you haven't seen who's seen lady snowblood nobody but, you know, now he's showing you what he does best is he gives the, the masses what they want. Mm-hmm. The Coliseum gets their tigers and Christians, you know. Yeah. But he's training your eye to see cinematically and you don't know it. That's the Tarantino effect. And it's fantastic because he's showing yeah. you great shots, even though you don't know it. And you're like, wow, this movie works. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. You know, Kill Bill. The more I see Kill Bill, the more, wow, it's, it's a fantastic movie. hmm it really is. There's so much in that, so much in that, and so many different movies in it. You know, where poor yeah. Brian De Palma did the same thing, and he always got, like, ridiculed. Like, oh, he's stealing. You know, it's like, how many people have seen The Battleship Potenkin now, dude? Give me a break, <laughs> you know, all right? He's, he's showing you good stuff.
1: Well, I, I feel, to, to bring it back to Argento, I feel like a, a, a lot of, and I, I mentioned this earlier, a, There's a lot of the American slasher directors, your your Wes Cravens, your Sean Cunningham's, uh, these guys who drew from the well of Argento. And, you know, when they give their their interviews, not that they didn't give credit to him, but they weren't asked, Mm. like, what influenced this? But you can you can draw that line. It's like Bird with the Crystal Plumage is 1970. Right. Um, 1974. We get uh Black Christmas.
0: Wow, it's that old. Wow, I don't remember. Yeah,
1: yeah, but it's it's like, okay, so this would have just come out in the States at that time because it took a year or two yeah. for something to come come over at that time. You're gonna tell me Bob Clark didn't see the bird with the crystal plumage. Oh, for you're, sure. You know, you're 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 gonna tell me that that a deep red that comes out in 1975 doesn't influence Halloween in 1978. And then what I – what really boggles my mind is that when you look up this movie, Tenebrae, it's classified as a slasher movie by almost every website. And I think it has to do with the fact that it was released in 1982, which like 1981 is historically – that's the year that everyone calls the year of the slasher because 1981 is when we get Friday Friday. the 13th Part 2. That's when we get Halloween Part 2. Um, we get uh, you know, movies like The Prowler. We get movies like um, uh, My Bloody Valentine. Like These all come out in 81 and 82, like that summer. That's the only thing that marks this as a slasher because I don't think he does anything different here than what he did in literally every other movie that came before it except
0: for Suspiria. I think also in mainstream type things, they don't know what Giallo is. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, it's an Italian slasher movie. You know how many people know what Giallo is? I mean, the not really wrong, I guess. Books that were called Giallo. I mean, you
1: know. Mm -hmm. So, and and, and I I guess uh, it's not wrong. I I I would call them Italian slashers. You know, like, uh, do you ever see Torso? Mm, Ooh, wait, do I have that? I have no. It's a graphic novel. I bother called Torso. No, I haven't seen the movie Torso. Ah, Torso. So Torso. Uh, that's uh 1973. Sergio Martino. This is classic. Italian giallo and fuck if it's not one of the best slashers I've ever seen, but it's not a slasher. And yet if you look at it and you put it next to a giallo movie, any other giallo movie, it's like, mm. no, it's a giallo. But then you put it next to a slasher, any slasher, Uh happy birthday to me. You know, uh, uh, April Fool's Day, whatever. Oh, I love April Fool's Day. I love April Fool's Day, uh, <laughs> yeah. April Fool's Day too. Um, and that final girl is one of my favorites. I can't remember her name right now, but she plays Ginny in Friday the 13th, part two. And uh, she she manages to be like smart and pretty at the same time without making it like a thing. Cause that was like a whole thing in the 80s. Like you couldn't be smart and pretty, yeah. right? Cause like you, you either had to be, um, uh, who was this uh, uh, Beale um, from um, uh, Flashdance? Oh, yes. Uh, what is your name? I, I can't remember. It was Beals, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so, so, uh, Beals, or or you had to be like Molly Ringwald, right? Because like you could be smart and funny, but you couldn't be sexy if you were sexy then now you, you you got thrown to the other end of the spectrum and you were something else and and she kind of manages to do both those things so um so i, I kind of like that one but but torso is one of those where it's like classic italian jello also classic non-american slasher like you you decide what it is and so like it, it kind of bugs me a little bit that this thing isn't given credit, like Tenebrae isn't given credit for what it really is, which is just classic Giallo. Like this yeah. is just, um, you know, after Suspiria and uh, Inferno, you know, which is the the sequel to Suspiria. Uh, this is just Argento coming back to form. Yeah, this is just and him it- being Argento. and And I think my favorite, favorite Argento shot in any movie is in this one. Where, uh, to go back to this murder, the one that we have behind us, uh, for mm-hmm. those of you that are watching live, um, there's that moment where the camera comes out of the, the window and we start seeing it pan all the way up this, like. Hyper realistic, yeah. That uh, I asked, is this
0: sad or is that just like yeah, a modern building? It was there? it was a,
1: it was like a like a modern modern building, uh you know, contemporary to the 80s. Yeah, uh the style, I guess, because I'm not really too much into architecture, but I think it's new brutalistic, is the, the architectural style. Um, and it's panning throughout this, and, and it was like a minute, man. Yeah, where where the camera there's a lot of movement, it never stops moving, and it, it tracks the uh, the roommate throughout the house mm-hmm. before that murder. Uh, it's man, it's fantastic. It's really good. It's really well shot and really well planned. I remember we said it
0: that it's it's a minute, it's 30 seconds of nothing. Yeah. it's not even her, it's 30 seconds mm-hmm. of concrete.
1: Yeah, like, and and tile, and Tio, yeah, and, and and yet, because of Goblin's music, right? And this oh. is another thing no, where we I, I,
0: yeah, no, uh,
1: and I didn't set up music, it's like its own thing here, but um. Like, he worked with Goblin all the time, and so he brought them back in for this, and it's like, man, the fucking score in this movie, it sounds like an Argento movie. Like, Argento movies have a sound to them, you know?
0: Yeah, that you looked it up, and we said, remember, is it Goblin? And Goblin had broken up, and mm-hmm. they got the band back together a la Bruce <laughs> for this movie, yeah. and I could see it, like, I don't know if it was amicable or what, but you could see rockers pissed off at each other and, and split up. But they're your Argento calls and they're like, oh well, yeah, yeah.
1: No Argento cause. Call. Yeah, 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 we, we yeah, gotta yeah, get yeah, together. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh funny. man, yeah. Uh all right. So let's is there anything else you wanted to mention about the movie that we haven't talked about? Something like maybe out of left field that
0: I, I don't know if we if we did we really dive into the fact that the ending uh, the writer is the killer and then he commits suicide with a razor, which is like woof. And like I said, man, this is—it's probably the last five minutes, if not even. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything else is just—you're—you're you're on this ride, and it kind of works, and that just
1: well, doesn't the, make the, any sense. The He's suicide is a bluff. Uh, is it? Yeah, the suicide's a bluff. It's—it's it's a fake razor. Uh, when when the police, uh, when the police officer, right, uh, right. uh, Germani is it, uh, Germani, goes yeah. in to uh to check something out. Why he goes back in, I don't remember. But he yeah. goes back in to check something out, and he's not there. Uh Peter Neal's not there. And he picks up the razor blade, and the razor blade is uh is a fake and it's got like the blood that squirts. squirts out from it. And uh there's another fantastic shot where like he he comes up from picking up the razor blade and the camera's fixed on him. And he bends down to look at or it, it, that's what it is. He bends down to pick up the razor blade. And when he bends down, you see Peter Neal behind him. And he was like perfectly framed, you know, behind Germani. You don't see him. And it's like, man, that's fucking brilliant. And it's so easy and it's so simple. And and I think and that that's real. It, it's and, practical. He's really there. And yeah,
0: just, you're, you're, you know, framing.
1: Yeah, and, and that's the kind of thing that we're in a movie theater. And I, I so often we forget this, especially for younger viewers. Like movies used to be seen – Only in movie theaters. That was the only place you could see it. And if you missed it that one time, you were like, what the fuck? What did I miss? And then you paid to watch the movie again and go see the whole damn thing again. There was no rewinding. There was no, you know, uh, oh, what was this? Let me pause so I can go make some more popcorn or whatever. Like everything was about the experience in the moment. You were in the moment because it was, if not, you were going to miss it. That's one of those moments. And in horror, you have to be with a crowd. You mm-hmm. have
0: to jump with them and, and things like that. It, it worked. I think the only thing that comes close now is that these these um superhero movies. You have to see it yeah in the big screen. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you have at home. You have to have the theater experience. To me, everything should be a theater experience. But you mm-hmm. know, and like you're saying, like I, I remember telling kids, oh no, I saw you know Return of the Jedi you know seven times in the theater they are like, wow. It was the only and way it to see it. it was, once, once it was gone, that's it. It was gone. And then VHS was like, oh, my God. You know, now we get to see him again. And that's mm-hmm. really, I think, when when film analysis became everybody's game. Because before, mm-hmm. that's where you had to go to film school. Yeah. Like, when we're talking about Scorsese and the 70s guys and, you know, Francis Ford Coppola and, and all these guys and George Lucas, they got to see movies we didn't get to see.
1: And it was, it was and on reels. Recall, you know,
0: Bresson, Jean-Luc Godard you couldn't have you you didn't have access to that Mm -hmm. i mean even something like casablanca in the in the early 80s like it was revivals and going to theater and seeing it again it wasn't Mm -hmm. hey pop it in let's see it Mm -hmm. and now it's not even pop it in it's it's digitally although uh and i'm sure you can attest to this there's a lot of movies that we like are really obscure stuff that it's not that easy to get digitally you gotta you know you gotta get the you know the shout factories mm-hmm. or the arrows or or like bootleg stuff,
1: That's yeah.
0: And secondhand, secondhand uh, website that, that I saw.
1: And you you know what's weird is that shout factory and arrow and um, you know Cr- criteria and all this, um, they don't treat all releases the same way. Uh, yeah. Some of them are treated as like a list releases. Uh, there's a number of things that I've bought on iTunes and I I have. I've mostly stopped picking up physical media unless it's something that is only ava- uh, available physically. Um, I I just pick it up digital uh, because I mean, on iTunes I I, I have about seventeen hundred movies. I mean, wow. can you can you imagine that many movies in in a you know a, a, a cabinet or something? I mean, yeah. it's it's insane. And so I, I I feel like it gives me more freedom in 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 being able to explore more movies Um, and because there's there's sales all the time. So I'll pick something up for five bucks. I'll pick something up for six, seven bucks. And, um, and, and, and they do release things. So there are things that I've picked up and and a lot of Giallo movies. In fact, Mm -hmm. I've picked up because of arrow putting things digitally, but they're, they're a list releases it's not the double features that they throw Mm. out there like uh like scream factory or shout factory where it's um you know a a double feature i played in a band for many years called naked vengeance because the 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 singer's uncle was uh was like a b-movie producer uh and he produced a movie called naked vengeance shout factory brought that one out and i was like oh shit very cool i gotta see that and i was looking forward to buying it uh digital and it never came out digital uh, because it was a double feature with maybe I spit on your grave or uh, right. something like that. Um, it was one of those rape revenge, um, yeah. you know, uh, movies, and uh, I ended up watching. It's okay, you know. Um, it's it, it's pretty standard uh, fair, you know. It's it's kind of, um, uh, Roger Corman, quality, <laughs> and uh, and, and 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 that's great because I love Roger Corman stuff, you know. Um, but yeah, I I, I do. Um, yeah, I I I I do like those those obscure things, and that's the 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 video thing, the video craze that happened in the late '80s. That's kind of how a lot of these movies became the cult classics that they did. Because with the video nasty thing in England, right, where like there were movies that were banned, right, those movies they become. Until recently, yeah, like only like 10 years ago. It's insane that like you couldn't watch Tenebrae in its original form in England until like 10 years ago. Yeah. Insane. Uh, But like the list of those movies is like was available over here. And because we have things like CNN at that time, like we know everything that's going on in England. We know that you can't see that movie in England. I want to watch it here. And that's when these movies from abroad start becoming so popular here. And I it, I love that. I, I I love that banning something makes it even oh, more yeah. popular, right? To go back to like maybe what's going on here in Florida with the books, yeah. right? Like, yeah, ban the fuck out of it. All it's going to do is make people want to read it more. Oh, well, as, <laughs> as an author,
0: as a creator, definitely. Any yeah. press good press. I mean, Texas Chainsaw, when were they able to see that in England? That was
1: not allowed yeah. for a while. Mm-hmm.
0: It, well, what I was saying, like I reached over now. I don't know if you saw. And, I did, yeah. and I have, uh, like, boom! Here's one. Oh
1: man, classic
0: Severine! Oh, where's the camera? Sever- yeah. Severine Films. Uh huh. Oh, there it is. They do a little bit more obscure than uh, than Shaw Factory. Look at this! Mm-hmm. Look at this dog! Look at this one!
1: Ooh, the Beast in Heat. Yes, that and looks trashy as fuck, and I love it.
0: They have a lot of Nazi exploitation stuff. I mean, uh,
1: Kino Lorber is another one that does a lot of the the more uh, obscure they're, ones. They're
0: archie but they do everything. Kino. Yeah. And then this is uh, Jean Roland. I don't know if you know Jean Roland, this one. Oh, I you showed
1: it. me this one when you picked it up.
0: Yeah. And this is Redemption, which is distributed by Kino Kino Lorber. There you go. Yeah. And Kino means film in German, kids. Yes, it so, does. Yeah, um, and, and this I gotta is- touch it. I love, the, I love the the DVD feels. I wish they yeah. would give more of the Criterion treatment. I, mm-hmm. I love that it's Vampiros Lesbos, but man, I would like some extra stuff. And a yeah. lot of these are a bit bare bones. Kino is very bare bones. Mm-hmm. Like, this Night of the Hunted, though, has a few interviews and stuff like that with the actual director. Mm-hmm. and But for the most part, it, it, you're lucky you're getting the movie and that's it.
1: Yeah. So. There, there was, um, there was one company, and I can't remember who it is right now. Maybe it is Scream Factory that did um, a couple of Hammer Horror releases uh, years ago. I'm looking it up now. I don't uh, know if
0: it's them or Severin. I don't know one of those. One of those two.
1: Um, who is this? I, I I just pulled it up on Amazon because I bought a bunch of them. Um, no, it's the Sony Pictures. That can't
0: be. Arrow does a lot of that too because I think Arrow is British, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Mill Creek, Mill Creek Entertainment. Oh That's who it yes! Was. Oh my god! Yeah, gosh, yes. uh, I, I don't know. If I, I don't know because they stopped putting these things out. There were a number of these, and I I was picking them up as they were coming out, and I've I've got I don't know maybe maybe ten or, or twelve different uh, Hammer Studios Blu-ray. Do you?
0: It, here's the back of it, Mill Creek, and nice, it's, bam
1: actually i have one here
0: this one has one two three four five
1: um six, th- this eight, one eight, um eight. yeah this this is the the one that i'm i'm, I'm bringing in tomorrow for you uh because we we were talking about and and we're not even talking about tenebrae anymore we're just talking classic yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> uh, and 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 this is why uh kids you have to really explore the film genre because if you just watch your Friday the 13th, and I love Friday the 13th, but if you just watch the big studio stuff, you're going to miss out on a lot of amazing schlocky stuff. Yes. That is what college is all about. Really. And that's
0: what's prime to be remade. Yeah. Casablanca Blanca does not have to be remade. No. So I can assure you, I look at these movies here, these, oh, and there's so many that for one reason or another, usually budget, they couldn't pull it off but you mm-hmm. read it, and you're like wow that's an incredible premise and you're watching right. and you're like but but what happened and there's some <laughs> of the, there's like three movies that Tarantino in his book talks about that are in here
1: yeah
0: you one and I'm like wait a second I know that one well,
1: we you know, we were so. we were talking about um this one uh this middle one here the legend yeah. of the seven golden vampires Yeah, they, it was um hammer and the shaw brothers um you know for uh, a super crossover with um kickflicks the uh the the other one on our network that goes into martial arts movies which i think has morphed into movie bros um but it's like that's the obscure shit that it's like man i miss the days where i would just sit with a fat blunt And 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 just smoke myself stupid and watch these movies, because that's that's what this stuff was about, man. It was about just sitting back and and enjoying it. And you could only do that thanks to the the video craze that happened in the 80s. So as much as these movies are supposed to be an experience and stuff, you know, that, that you're supposed to have in the theater with an audience. I was born in 87. Yeah there was no way I was experiencing this stuff in, in theaters. Um, So stuff like this gives me an opportunity to, to do that again, but you have to go and explore this stuff and, and, and discover, like, don't just watch the things that someone tells you to watch on YouTube or on TikTok, you know, just because someone is talking about barbarian at this moment, like don't, don't go watch it because they say that. Also, don't go watch it because it's fucking trash. Um, I, I still
0: haven't seen it because it's so many mixed reviews, and, and you hate it, so it's like, oh man. But I almost, I'm gonna have to do it. But there's so many movies on my list that that one for that watch. I, I bought X. I don't I don't know if it's here or in the other room, but that is I so good. X is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I I and I can't wait to see the new one that's coming out. Pearl. I mean, t- yeah. No, it's out. It won't not Pearl and not Pearl. The other there's a new one coming out.
1: Oh, a, f- a follow-up, yeah.
0: Yes, the third one in the trilogy. Mm-hmm. I mean, this Ty West guy, watch out for him because he's doing fantastic things.
1: Yeah, well, and 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 this is that he's fu- he's like now firing on all cylinders because he was yep. releasing movies like once every like four years. Um, the Innkeepers is one that like is is an absolute classic, uh, like modern classic in the horror genre. He's uh, yeah, he's he's the real deal. So oh, before uh, before we get even more off track,
0: yeah, we got to rate we didn't we, didn't
1: we have we have to rate this off fucking track. movie. Right. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so we we uh, we spoke a little bit before you and I, Ralph, and we decided that we were going to go with straight razors. Yes. Right. So out of a possible five straight razors, how many straight razors do you give Tenebrae? Ooh,
0: that's tough. That's tough. That's that's kind of like as a teacher when you grade a paper and you're like, oh, that's a yeah. hundred. And then you read the smart kid and it's like, oh shit, that's like a. 110. Well, that's a hundred. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> my my heart would say five, but I have to be objective. I'm mm-hmm. gonna go four. Okay. Four razor blades out of five, because the ending is a little hokey. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I can't go a full five because then there's there's movies out there that are the full the full Monty. Oh, well, but close, here's here's close. the thing:
1: we only ever rate a movie against itself here. Uh-huh. So like as much as I mm-hmm. want to compare Tenebrate of Deep Red, I'm not gonna do that. Oh yeah. I'm only comparing it to itself. And I think for what it is, you can't do much better than this. Yeah. You know, you've got you've got great scenes of murder, you've got sexy scenes, you've got a story that makes enough sense. There's a lot of kills too. Do it is very it's very not? bloody. Um I, I don't know, it's like it's like five or six kills in this movie. Yeah. And and the thing is that this movie is not very long. We're talking about like like ninety five minutes. So yep. in ninety five minutes, these kills are spaced out really really well. Actually, it's more than that. It's more than five kills. It's
0: more because it's the one of the the beginning. The two girls, right? The agent. Uh-huh. Uh, he chops off the hand of the other guy. Doesn't it? Doesn't um. What's
1: the boy? Doesn't he get killed too? The boy gets killed, Gianni. That's, yeah. That's six. Uh yeah, well, that's girl, that's six. You, dog, that's seven. you got Altieri. Uh, Lieutenant Detective Altieri, the girl with the dog. Um, you've got the detective, uh, Germani dies, uh, and he dies. That's 10 kills. Yeah, Jesus Christ. That was way off, right? 10 kills. I mean, that's that's one
0: every 10 minutes. Yep. Well, that's that's the whole Corman rule. I mean, uh, I, I actually had lunch with Roger Corman once
1: no shit
0: the nicest man and he's an engineer i mean his degree Uh is from stanford he's very smart and he's very soft-spoken and he's like let me tell you the secret to my films (laughs) and he's like something has to die in the first five minutes you don't have to show me the monster but something has to die and then every 10 to 15 minutes something has to happen that's the formula. If you do that, you got yourself a picture. And, 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 and I agree with it. To me, I, my... You'll be surprised I, how many movies don't do that. Yes. And, and, and are actually don't. boring. And it doesn't have to be a, even a drama, even mm-hmm. a movie that's not an action movie. But something has to happen every 10 minutes. Whether yeah. it's a plot point, something. especially with a younger audience, they don't have the attention span. Mm-hmm. 10 minutes is a thing of the past. These guys have like a two-minute attention span. But what I'd like to tell... Uh, Not my students, because I would never say that to the students, but to uh, to the people that I mentor is every 10 minutes, either something blows up or someone's getting blown. you got to give me something, (laughs) you know, give me something. And that's you got to have a reason to keep watching. Yes, I'll give you 10 minutes. But then after that, it's like, all right, we got to, you know, and especially something like you said, one of your favorite kills in this movie is the first one. Yeah. All right. You just buy yourself 10 minutes, 10, 15 Mm -hmm. minutes. But you got to keep showing me something. And then we see the two girls, boob, and it's like, oh, okay, hey, boom. It's, it's almost like yeah. putting money into a meter or into like a phone back in the day. Yeah. Where it's like, please okay, deposit another, another cent, yeah. you know, 10 cents. Yeah. I got another <laughs> while wow, we're really aging or something. But, yeah, I got another, yeah. <laughs> I got another one.
1: Uh, yeah, You Fantastic. remember the phone I, bank I, I, we know, had at Columbus? What? You remember the phone bank we had at Columbus in the A building? No, I don't remember. No? uh, uh, uh In in the A building, um, like where, where I guess it meets the Moss building. You know, so the, the the easternmost side of the building, there was a oh. phone bank and we, we had like five different different phones oh. all lined up there. And um, I remember I got a cell phone. Uh, I don't know, maybe a month or two into my freshman year of high school. And it was specifically because I was staying after school for this club or uh, for practice, for this sport, or I had just gotten detention because I, I've had a beard since, you know, I was like 12 years old. So I was being asked to shave all the time.
0: I hear you every other day, every other day. Yeah, yeah.
1: E- every other day I was being asked to shave and it, it, it was a, it was a detention for for having to shave. And uh, and so I'd have to go to that phone and I'd have to ask someone for a quarter so I could put it in and call my mom and and or call my dad and be like, hey, you're going to have to come pick me up in an hour because I got DT.
0: Oh, no, I didn't have yeah. that. I, I senior year, had, I got a beeper.
1: Oh, nice. Older, Very so, nice. Yes.
0: And that, that was about it. Hey, I didn't get a phone in the college. And then it was when when it was really expensive. It was like emergency only. Yeah. And you you had to be like car blew up. Address, boom, and hang up. (laughs) It's funny that, you know, I remember a funny beeper story. Again, we're going totally off the rails on a tangent. Uh, Being a a good Catholic schoolboy, I went out with this girl from Miami High on a Wednesday. And it was, I think it was 1.30 in the morning. And there's no phone call. My mom was going bonkers and my beeper was blowing up. And I got in probably like around close to two. So she was already like checking the morgue. Yeah. And she went crazy. and ah, What happened? Blah, 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 blah. Like a 10 minute tantrum and then went to her room and then my dad came out and, you know, hey, what happened? And I was, like, <laughs> and I was about to start telling you what happened. Like, well, I was with this girl and that's all I got. He said, oh, okay. And it, that was it. That was like, but it was like <laughs> the people blowing up, blowing you up. You weren't guess,
1: knocking like, over 7-Eleven. I'm not going to have to talk to the police tomorrow. No, okay.
0: no. And there was nothing. <laughs> there's nothing you can do. What are you going to do? Stop at one yeah. thirty Somewhere in in... In like Biscayne back in the day, yeah, those public phones were being used by other people conducting business. And I wasn't going to with that. Yeah, no, you don't want any of that.
1: Um, so I, so I, I, I'm i going to give this movie a five, five, okay. five, five, raise, uh, five straight razors out of five because um, it hits everything. It hits everything you want it to hit. It, it, to me, um, would this be the first Giallo that I would show someone when they asked, What's a Giallo movie? No. I would probably show deep red maybe torso um or bird with a uh, crystal
0: plumage just to like ease them into bird it bird with a like-
1: crystal plumage I mean it, it's kind of the one that the kick started the whole thing you yeah. know and then there's also uh blood and black lace you know there's there's uh, it's a little older you know but that stuff is a little old I mean I I like baba but it mm-hmm. it is you know older film It is uh, but this is I think a perfect one I, I there's there's not one thing that I would say, man, you know what? I'd rather they hadn't done that. Or I'd rather they do this oh, or no, rather yeah. they do that. And when when I start thinking, I'm like, is there anything I would change about this? No. Uh, is uh, are there moments that stand out? Yeah. Fuck this. Th- this is as perfect a movie as this movie can get. Uh, yeah. Do I prefer Deep Red? Yeah. Do I prefer Suspiria? Yeah. But uh, there's something about the and Suspiria is not a giallo. I know that, but uh, but it is Argento. And, yeah, and yeah, I, 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 I think yeah. the one uh, Argento's movie that scares me the most is still Suspiria. Um, that movie for me, man, it's amazing. And, and it, it came at the right point in my life when, when I saw it. But something about Tenebrae, it, it, it hits and it just, man, I fucking love it. So, so if, if I'm doing my math correctly, that's four and a half straight razors out yeah. of five for Tenebrae. Man, I'm not upset about that. I, no, I yeah. think yeah, that's that that's pretty great. So uh so Ralph, thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you so much for, for sitting here and and talking about film because uh because we, we were all over today, but yes. uh um, <laughs> but but when 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 you and I get together, I mean this is what we're talking about, you know. Yeah. So uh so thank you so much. Uh, is there anything you want to promote?
0: Uh I would well first I'd like to do it again, and maybe we should do deep red, or you said you'd done Bava and Argento, but you haven't done Fuchi.
1: Oof, no, I think challenge accepted. We have to find a Fulci movie. Yeah, and and uh, and I, I we haven't done Baba. I oh, would really? love to. I would love to do Baba. Yeah. And we haven't done Martino either. So there's a couple of those Italian guys that I, I I'd love to do some of their movies.
0: I, I'd like to do a non exploitation if that's possible. I think Baba was kind of anything's possible. <laughs> uh, promoting, uh, I uh, I'm introducing films at the landmark for uh, Retro uh, retro Tuesday. Mm-hmm. This month, it was Scorsese-De Niro collaborations. And then um, next week is the last one. It's Casino. Mm-hmm. Then in June, we're doing Harrison Ford movies. Oh, so we're going to do Air Force One, um, Blade Runner, Blade Runner 2049. Mm-hmm. And I forgot which is the last one. Oh, and then the last one is the one he did with Anne Haish.
1: Oh, Six Days, Seven Nights.
0: Yeah, that's that's going to be a tough assignment to introduce that movie. You know, I I don't and hate that movie. No, I know, but you know, and then um I want to go witness and he's like,
1: we yeah, couldn't get I was it. Saying, why not witness, you know, like that that's a script that's taught yes. in film school, <laughs> like it's perfect, you know.
0: We uh we couldn't do that, and then July is when it gets interesting. Then July is Christopher. Um,
1: shit, what's uh what's the other one? Mosquito Coast. Yes, if I you want to go, you Mosquito know,
0: Coast. obscure yeah. even Air Force One is kind of although you know, and again we're gonna get off on tangent, <laughs> you know. I dislike um John Leguizamo but
1: I know. Yeah. We don't know. In agree Air Force this.
0: One, he gives the best line ever, and I love it. And it's coming from him, it works. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember when um is it Air Force One? Oh, did I get the movies confused? Wait. Oh, I might have gotten the movies confused. It's the one where no, yeah. You're this is Air Force One is not Steven Seagal. He's not no. in
1: that one. No, no, no. Uh you're probably what thinking is. Under Siege
0: no it's not under siege it's a president one where where kurt russell and steven seagal dies in the first ten executive
1: minutes. decision there you go yeah
0: Best line kurt russell shows up and he's in a tuxedo and they're the seal team and john was yeah. like who's this guy james bond <laughs> but the only john logizamo line <laughs> i like but, but i really went out the rails there but but yes yeah. yeah, so landmark theaters in court gables uh it's switching to wednesdays next month mm-hmm. so wednesdays at seven o'clock June is Harrison Ford. July is Christopher Nolan, and Nolan, yes. we're going with all the big guns, and then it ends with the premiere of Oppenheimer. So, which I'm I'm trying yeah. not to get really excited because I want to go in n- neutral, but man, I, it's like Chris. It looks it
1: looks like, incredible. I
0: yes, yeah, I can't
1: wait. And and Nolan doesn't miss except for Dark Knight Rises, which is fucking awful. <laughs> so, and I I will I will die on that hill. And if you like that movie, okay.
0: I, I the thing with with that one is it's the same the same thing happens like two or three times i remember i mean like i said they're great movies but they're not batman's no you know
1: no clearly not so. because um well, we don't have enough time to go into. Yeah,
0: that. I know, and, and I don't like Christian <laughs> Dale as as, as so.
1: absolutely not. He's uh he's he's a terrible Batman. Yeah. So uh so thank you for watching uh and listening to Shiver, an anti Batman podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> where next week uh Daniel will uh, should be back I think uh hopefully, and um, I'm not sure what we're gonna be doing. I don't think we've discussed this yet, but uh, definitely we're gonna have Ralph back on so that we can do either Deep Red or uh or full cheap maybe we can do zombie okay that that would be cool uh as like the unofficial you know uh dawn of the dead uh sequel
0: oh
1: man that's a class and i know no we haven't done it and daniel's been asking oh really yeah yeah. (laughs) yes there you go uh so on behalf of all of us here at shiver fright you very much